When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The NFL schedule comes out Thursday. Plus the Browns are having you, yes, you vote on the next dog logo. And is synthetic turf really Really better than natural grass. All that today here on What the Elf Was That? You're listening to the What the Elf Was That? podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That? podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. What the elf was that? Today, I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Elliot Kennel. Elliot, say hi. Hi there. Thanks for having oh, yeah. me on the show. Hey, thanks for coming on. So some of you may or may not know that Elliot and I do another podcast, a separate podcast called Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, where we get together and we chat up football, philosophy, and rocket science. So we do that because Elliot is a purebred, bona fide rocket science. Aren't you, Elliot? Yes, more or less. There you have it, folks. There's the color man of the year right there. So I bring the philosophy piece. Elliot brings that piece. So I thought today we could get uh, Elliot on the show and we could chat up some stuff on what we talk about and what the elf was that. As you guys know, we are an iconoclastic look at the news. So we're going to take the weird angles as much as we can. So the schedule comes out on Thursday. Are you excited, Elliot? You excited for the schedule? Well, I'm more like dreading the schedule. I don't think the NFL does it right, frankly. I think you and I could do a much better job, truthfully. I mean, I get the schedule's hardly a, a reveal of anything. I mean, we've known since the last day of the last season who exactly the Browns are going to be playing. Right? They've got home games against the Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Bears, Jaguars, Jets, 49ers and Titans and the road games against you guessed it the Ravens Steelers Bengals Broncos Texans Rams Colts and Seahawks so I'm not sure what we're revealing Thursday well I think it matters to some extent what kind of uh, terrible things the schedule makers are doing to you the Browns are likely to get off easily because there are not going to be for example too many Thursday night games probably those are usually going to go to the teams that had good seasons last last uh, year and are in high demand. So all the teams that went deep into the playoffs are going to have to play on Thursday, and then they'll play Saturday nights and stuff like that. 
That's a hell of a reward for being good. You made the playoffs, so we're going to give you, one, the hardest schedule we can, and two, we're going to put you on Thursday nights so your players can have no rest so we can get them all hurt. Yeah, so, you know, there'll be some advantage. The Browns will play lesser opponents in theory, and then also they'll have uh, fewer short rest weeks. So that works in the Browns' favor. But I'll tell you one thing that I think that they do wrong. I think what you like to do is to have the teams be as, or the division races be as close as possible for as long as possible. Isn't that right? You would think for the entertainment value. And so what they should do is they should avoid having division matchups until the second half of the season. Because when you have division matchups, that's what separates the teams. You know, one team has to lose and one team has to win, and that separates the teams in the standings. But if if the teams don't play each other, then it's possible that the teams are both going to win or both, both going to lose, and they'll tend to st- stay bunched together longer. And you can prove that mathematically, that they have a better chance to stay close to one another if they don't play each other. And okay, so but, the- but I guess if you're the NFL, you have to ask yourself, what are you trying to achieve week one, though? Right? Because week one's the kickoff. Yeah. Like, the kickoff. So, if you put divisional games out there week one, which we've seen, right? We've seen these. Then you have, my team is going to make it and they're going to win the Super Bowl. And another team's like, well, we're crap. Our season's over. But is that what the NFL wants? Well, they should keep their teams in contention, I would think. So they should play other teams from other divisions, play the interleague div- the games, stuff like that, do those early, get to know some of the other teams around the league, and then play the teams within your division later, and those games become decisive. They become very big games. Or they could do what baseball does and say, you've got 17 games, so you're going to play 14 of them against your division and three against other teams. <laughs> do you follow baseball at all? You ever see they play like a hundred games against their division opponents? Yeah, well, baseball of course has the luxury of playing so many games that they can do stuff like that, and that's not an option for football. They have to play a certain number of games, ideally two games versus each team in the division, and uh, that makes for a pretty full schedule. But I think they ought to keep most of those games for the second half of the season. So, you know, when I think of uh, the NFL schedule, I tend to think of game one, week one, and that Browns incredible losing streak. Wasn't it something like 18 consecutive week one losses between 2005 and 2021, wasn't it? When it was just last year where they beat the Panthers? Oh, it was, uh, it was pretty awful. I don't remember how many games it was, but it was a long time. Do you think uh, the NFL? There was, there was a, a a tie that was mixed in there in 2018 when Terod Taylor got a tie against. I think it was against the Steelers, wasn't it? Oh, uh, so it they, wasn't consecutive losses, but not wins. Yeah, non wins, non wins. So I, I have this crazy theory, and those of you who listen to the what the elf was that podcast know that I come up with a lot of these crazy theories. I have this crazy theory that week one for the NFL is an attempt to showcase the the teams that they think are going to win. 
So the the Browns have a 18 year non win streak on week one on purpose because they're the patsy. Right? So let's say the NFL thinks, okay, the Steelers are going to be the team in that division, or the Ravens, or the Bengals are going to be that team, and we think the Browns are just crap. We're going to schedule that week one and put that game at one o'clock so the Ravens can come out and like 52 to seven them, just like they did the Dolphins that one year that everybody knew was tanking. And then you rally up the, oh my gosh, the Ravens are the greatest thing ever. They beat the crap out of that team, 52 to 7. Do you see how bad they beat Eastern Backwater University on the south end of Hamilton County, Alabama? That's crazy. This goes on week one. And so I think they do two things. The week one Thursday night game will be a huge game. That may even be a Bengals-Chiefs rematch, right? It's going to be a big game to draw in the excitement Sunday night football will be a big game, but that one o'clock slot on Sunday week one will be a whole bunch of, we think these are the good teams and these are the bad teams. And we're going to set the good teams off to one and no start so that those fan bases will be excited about the season. Well, I don't know. I think any game that has Patrick Mahomes in it is going to be a big game and they really don't need to, take one of their truly top echelon teams and give them a losing record to start the season off. I think. Well, that's because next week, so this, this gets into stake, but this gets into week two, right? You ever notice that after week two, almost three quarters of the NFL is one and one. Amazing. I wonder why that is because the patsies get to play other patsies on week two. And the people who are like out to like win games that the NFL thinks, oh, we're going to win games are playing each other so that most teams after two weeks end up being one and one because you don't want your team being zero and two because the fan base loses interest. Let's admit this for what it is. The NFL has overtly admitted that they are in the live event entertainment business. That's what they do. And if you're an entertainment for a live event, how are you going to get your people over 18 weeks to keep following? That's a question for you, Elliot. How do you get them to keep following? Well, you need to have teams in contention, I guess. You have to have teams in contention. So you want to rally up, foaming at the mouth, excited, your best teams. So you get them off to a 1-0 start, okay? But you also don't want to lose... All these other teams, like the Texans or whatever, you'd think these people are or may not be that good. So we got to give them a win on week two. Because if they can get a win on week two, so let's say the Colts play the Texans, that could be a toss-up, right? But you can't have the Chiefs play the Colts one week, then the Texans the next week, because then you got or an 0-2 team. You're going to have two 0-2 teams. So you have to have this system where at the beginning it's rigged, to like make sure that the good teams start off one or no, at least theoretically. Sometimes Alcorn State beats Alabama or whatever, or Michigan, whoever they beat. Well, oh, that was Appalachian State that beat Michigan. Sometimes those upsets happen, but most of the time they don't. Little Podunk Tech College on the southeast end of Hamilton County, Alabama, doesn't beat Alabama, but sometimes it happens. But you also want to make sure that Little Podunk Tech College is one and one after week two so that they're still in contention. 
and you've mm-hmm. got the excitement going. Yeah, you want you want I think to schedule the the intra or interconference games and interleague games first. Everybody plays a kind of around five hundred, and then differentiates themselves within the division. That's that's the way I think that they should do it, and then. Uh, Everything gets decided in the division, and then they go on to the playoffs. That's, well, that's kind the of... way that you could keep it around 500 the, as long as possible. And uh, then uh, keep the races as close as possible for as long as possible. That's what they should do. That would be my strategy. What do I know? <laughs> well, I think they are. They're wanting to like build the excitement, but then you want to keep it so that every team has a chance mathematically at least so you want but to that's pretend not what they do you when want you, the facade have, out there when you have teams in the division that play each other my point is is that you're causing them to separate you, I, you I, to. I see the point i see the point where they're separating but in a 17 game schedule six of those games are your division opponents okay i understand those games cost double so the, it's the equivalent of 12 games I think if you can get a good matchup start, let, let, let's say you're a Steelers fan and you're going to open up against like the 2016 Browns, which I think they did. Isn't that the game that they tied, by the way? You're going to open up against the 2016 no, that Browns. Was, uh, that was in uh, 2018. 2018. Let's say you open up against some 0-16 Browns team that you know is going to go 0-16. Now your team's doubly psyched because you just won a division game to start the season. And if you're a Browns fan, you're like, well, crap, this is what we always do. Yeah, so Browns fans over. can put up oh, with it. Well, we're 0-1. They're 1-0. There's already a, they've already opened up a one-game lead on us. And, and But since Browns fans stick around no matter what, right, they're like gluttons for punishment. Who cares if we go 0-1 at the beginning of the season? We've done it 18 times in the last 19 years. So, or last 20 years, excuse me. See, there, there's no way that the division can, well, unless they is a tie game, but there's no way that the division is going to be tied if their division teams are playing each other in, in week one. That, that's a flaw in the system. In my well, okay. I'm just saying this is what the NFL is doing. They're trying to hype up the schedule. The other week I want to talk about is week 18. This is the infamous lose to the Steelers and get fired game. So do you think we're going to have an 18 week 18 Steelers matchup? You know, they usually do that. At the last week of the season, they do usually schedule a division opponent, and it usually turns out to be a crucial game. A crucial game for somebody. A crucial game for somebody. Division games prove to be decisive at the end of the year because Mm -hmm. they, they they make the separation at the end. So, yeah, I think they, they do traditionally start with a rival team and they end with a rival team. Do you think Stefanski's on the hot seat? Because that's the other situation of this. If the Week oh, 18 all the game... coaches are on the hot seat. Fact, see, I don't, I don't think he is. I don't think Stefanski's like, I'm getting fired if I lose to the Steelers on Week 18. No, but I think all coaches have sort of an over-under where if they lose a certain number of games, they're out. You, you can't go, for example... I think there'd have to be an absolute monumental collapse by the Browns yeah, for Stefanski and that whole crew to go after the end of the year. But okay, there can be an absolutely monumental collapse. So, for example, 
when the Browns went 0-16, I guess that was in 2017, right? There should not have been a possibility of the coach retaining his job or even the general manager for that matter. But the Browns thought that it was okay to do that. And I think that was a mistake. I think they should have been told up front, look, nobody can have a winless season and retain their job. That's just not allowed. That's not acceptable practice. If you guys screw this up and embarrass the franchise by going winless, we're cleaning house no matter what. No matter what your excuse is, you're out. Everybody, Sashi, Q, I'm sorry, but you cannot go 0-16. So you know Sashi's back in the NFL, right? Of course, yeah. He's the president he, of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, he's over with the Ravens right now. He's probably thinking, who can I screw over on a contract? Well, how many how many people they, can I get rid of because I don't want to pay them? They, they did the opposite <laughs> with their quarterback than we did with our quarterback. They decided that they want to start paying down Lamar Jackson quickly. So they're paying him $22 million in year one. Whereas the Browns decided, well, we're only going to pay $10 million in year one for our even more heavily wow. uh, burdened contract. They were, now, is that his salary or is that his cap hit? That's the cap hit. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's going to be different from the salary because you got to find out how much of that was signing bonus. Yeah, but I mean, but it's, uh, it's still, that's how much is being paid down off the total bill. Oh, yeah, and, okay. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, one way or the other, that's that's how much is uh, coming off of the bill, and the uh, well, I know the uh, the big the deal was always that much more, much more uh, guaranteed money that will be left on the table at the end of this season. Yeah, because you know Lamar Jackson fought for that guaranteed money, and clearly he got it. All right, let's uh, let's take a break no, here he, for he, a he second. Did not get it. I, I was I was being it. I was being facetious there. He okay, didn't get well, anything near what he got wanted. Kennel's law of internet sarcasm. There's nothing you can say that is so silly that someone won't take it seriously. <laughs> All right, so let's let's uh, take our station break here. All right, we're back here with Elliot, the rocket scientist, the man of all things. So I was talking to Elliot about this show, and he's like, let's talk about surfaces in the NFL. This is truly inspired by a rocket science. So Elliot was saying that there is definitive evidence that people who play their games on AstroTurf are at more risk for injury than players who play natural on natural grass, by and large. So Elliot, I'm going to give you the floor here for about a minute. Give me your evidence. Give me your points. Yeah, I I think there's uh, unquestionable uh, neutral party evidence. The NFLPA, the National Football League Players Association, has come out and said that we want to have all the playing fields in the National Football League be natural turf, and the owners have decided to fight that, and they say, well, that's not true. We've done our own studies and found out that the injury rates are exactly the same. The owners disagree? Are you serious? They do. I, I mean, do you mean do. you mean they would disagree with something that would cost them money? Well, that what can I tell you? But yeah, they have disagreed <laughs> with the NFLPA. They're just disagreeable people. 
But if you go into the scientific literature, and I'm looking right now uh, off screen, but there's an article from the American Journal of Sports Medicine published in 2019, volume uh, 47, number one, by uh, Christina Mack and alums. And uh, it's called Higher Rates of Lower Extremity Injury on Synthetic Turf Compared with Natural Turf Among National Football League Athletes. So this was studied scientifically. They are not football players. They are medical professionals. And they're saying what again? Are that lower extremity injuries are indeed higher uh, as measured by medical professionals. This was measured in the 2012 through 2016 regular seasons with all 32 NFL teams reporting, and they found that there was a significant uh, 16% higher uh, rate of lower extremity injuries uh, per play than on natural turf. And the, uh, you know, they, they took into account all the factors that they could, and um, they were um, especially higher if you were considering only the non-contact injuries. And that particular type of injury was much higher on uh, synthetic turf. So uh, the, the medical professionals are clear about that. Now, there may be other types of injuries that are the other way around. They didn't go into that and say that all injuries. But the lower right. extremity, so like running, cutting. Synthetic turf. Now. Let me ask you a question, um, Dr. Cade. You were a football player, played at a high level. Don't tell people What that. is your experience, <laughs> your personal experience with synthetic turf and natural turf? So I've, I've played when we used to have the old AstroTurf. I don't know if you remember that stuff. You're it was like synthetic turf. You're not supposed to say. Well, it, it was it was called astroturf at the time. Called astroturf, but you're. You yeah, know, I mean that stuff was like. like machine. It's a photocopy. Well, but okay. The synthetic turf that was like basically a thin layer of carpet over concrete. I used to play on. I played on that, and then I've coached people playing on that synthetic stuff. The uh, grassy stuff they have now with the little black balls in them. Different experience on each. If you're on that carpet kind of stuff you're gonna bust your ankles up because that stuff doesn't give it's like rubber on rubber when you have your cleats on um you used to wear tennis shoes on that stuff you run and you make a a cut or a plant with your foot those that tennis shoe is not giving so your ankle is is going it it you're going one way that ankle's not stopping you're gonna bust out your ankle after a while when you get on this grassy surface they have now with the little rubber balls in them, they're designed to give you more turf while they have the little balls. I mean, these, you got to go see them. If you've never seen these little balls, just look them up. These little rubber balls. You will slide on them a little bit better. But when you slide on them, they like embed themselves in your forearm or like they come up and they like cover your face when you get up and it's a real pain. And then if people do that enough, those little synthetic balls get way over distributed in some areas and under distributed in other areas, which creates slippage and other issues. Like you can't even plant to get a good spot. So it depends on the surface you're on. You have to redo those surfaces every year. I think the question that the NFL owners, AKA the Borg around here, and hold on, wait for it. Here it comes. Adapt to services. Resistance is futile. We 
of the Borg, your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. I like that so much I wanted to play it twice. That wasn't really Roger Goodell, was it? No, that was just my calling them the Borg. Oh, okay. So the the question the Borg has to ask, because the ownership, in my opinion, are a collective of individuals working for the common good of what they think is the NFL, but really it's for themselves. The question the Borg have to ask is, what is cheaper for the Borg? Right? Is it cheaper to replace synthetic turf with natural grass and then maintain that natural grass? Or is it cheaper just to play out, pay out injury settlements and rehab players? Is it cheaper to replace a quarterback or a football field? Ooh. You got to think like the Borg, man. You got to think like the Borg. I mean, look, the Ravens had Lamar Jackson, right? But they also have a second Pro Bowl quarterback on their roster. They have two Pro Bowl quarterbacks on their roster. Lamar Jackson's backup made the Pro Bowl. So are quarterbacks really that hard to replace? Wait, they do? Who's their backup quarterback? I can't even think of his name, but he made the Pro Bowl. Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. He, he made the, the So if you guys don't know how Pro Bowl voting happens, players get together and they vote on who should be in the Pro Bowl. Who they wanted to punish and they put him in well, the Pro Bowl. Well, no, they don't want to punish him. What they wanted was their man, Lamar Jackson, to be a Pro Bowler. So they decided, okay, we're all going to vote for Lamar Jackson. Then all of our other ballot votes are going to go for people that we know will not make the Pro Bowl. And somehow the Ravens' backup quarterback got the most votes of the, on the list of all the people who've rejected going to the Pro Bowl. Because nobody thought he was good enough to make the Pro Bowl, so they all voted for him. That's how he made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl. That's yes, correct. Tyler Huntley. Absolutely. That's it. Made the Pro Bowl. So how? So how? How much? How much is it? I mean, I, honestly, I'm being facetious here. It is difficult to replace a quarterback, but I don't think that's what's on their minds. Their minds is how much is it going to cost me to take out the grass, feed the grass, maintain the grass, all the while I could just put in the synthetic stuff, maintain it pretty easy. Once a year, come in and redistribute all those little black balls that are in it. And then move on with life. I don't think it's as cheap as all that. Well, I don't think they care one bit about their players. Let's just put it that way. I don't think they care one bit if those people get hurt, if it saves them money over putting in natural grass. Uh, I think if they blow out their knee and they have to get stuck with $150 million of guaranteed money. That's why they don't want to pay. That's why they don't want to pay guaranteed contracts. Elliot, you got to get on the program here. They They don't want to give out guaranteed contracts because that's exactly Uh, why. That's exactly why they call out some people. Uh, First of all, I want to call out Joe Burrow. Joe, you need to negotiate that uh, in your contract. I think the Bengals are the only team in the division that play on synthetic turf. Man, this is your opportunity to negotiate for a, uh, for natural turf for the stadium, for not just for yourself, but for all the players in the Bengals. This is when you've got leverage. Speaking Number, of a cheap owner. Yeah, speaking of cheap. Now, Paul Brown is cheap. Now, also, I wanted to also call out to people who say that it's impossible to grow natural turf in dome stadiums, notably the Cowboys uh, playing facility. And Arlington, Texas is a dome. They say it's impossible. Well, I can do it. 
I know how to grow grass indoors. You just need to. Elliot, be grass. careful what you're saying. You're going to be out there growing grass, man. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> you know, I can do it. Absolutely, for sure. I know how to grow. I think I don't think you're following what I'm saying. <laughs> indoors. It is not a problem. It is a technically achievable solution. Okay, for, our, for anybody out there listening, Elliot is not growing marijuana. He is not growing marijuana. But I could if I wanted to. I'm sure you could. But anyway, yeah, we, we know how to make plant lights. It was not like the old days where they tried to do this with just optical lights and they didn't know about ultraviolet radiation. I know about ultraviolet radiation and what makes plants grow. This is a simple problem. We can do this. So it, it can be done even in dome stadiums. Just do what the, play, the players want it. Why don't you let the players have their way? It's very simple. Oh, it's easy. The answer to this is simple, Elliot. You give them a cookie, they're going to ask for a glass of milk. If you are the board, you cannot give them anything. Because once you give them one thing, they're going to ask for a second thing. Gosh. You've got to get on the program. you got to understand how NFL owners work. Okay. Yes, I am. I am a cynical individual, but I'm telling you, I've just I. I like to follow. Money invested in Dak Prescott. You cannot afford this. Your 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 field does not save you that much money. Think of think of the Deshaun Watson contract. As soon as somebody gives somebody a fully guaranteed contract, okay, all all the world was falling apart. Like Chicken Little rose from the grave to like. It's all going to fall apart. This is how they think. So once one team puts in grass in a dome, then the next team's going to want it. Then the next well, team's going to want it. They do have grass in a dome. They already did that in Las Vegas, but they did it kind of a hokey way where they grow the grass outdoors and then they they shuffle it in um, mm-hmm. you know, a section at a time and assemble it uh, the day before the game and water it down it's, it's kind of hokey but they, they do it it's not the most efficient way but you could just put it inside the dome and grow it there and, and use lights to uh, grow it just put ultraviolet light in with the visible light and it'll be fine it'll yeah. work out all right let's move on to the next topic speaking of the borg the borg are being investigated again this is as some people know, my favorite talk, topic to talk about. Okay. The attorney generals of the states of California and New York have decided that they will begin investigating the NFL and their front and their offices. We're not talking about a team. We're not talking about the commanders. We're talking about the NFL offices mm-hmm. for alleged sexual harassment, um, okay. gender discrimination. I have it written down here. Gender discrimination, employment discrimination, and hostile work environment. Um, the investigation will investigate former employees' claims of violation of federal and state equity pay laws, as well as anti-discrimination laws. So this arose after 30 female and 30, 3, 0, 30 female employees alleged gender discrimination and retaliation that they were retaliated against after they filed complaints with NFL's human resources division. Per the AP, the NFL responded by saying, and I, this is just perfect from the Borg. 
The NFL offices are places where employees of all races, genders, and backgrounds thrive. We do not tolerate discrimination in any form. They further added that the allegations were, quote, entirely inconsistent with the NFL's values and practices, unquote. I don't believe a word of this. This is this. Wow. Just send the Goodell bot out. Just send the Goodell bot out. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the Goodell bot, there's a South Park episode. Um, I think it's called Go Fund Yourself, where they make fun of the Goodell bot being this robot that the owners use to basically impose their will, which I think is pretty accurate, to be honest with you. But this sounds like something the Goodell bot would have put together. Go ahead, Elliot. Tell me how I'm... You know, well, the thing is, neither you nor I were there, so it's very hard for us to comment on a legal matter uh, for which we have uh, no witness. Yeah, Elliot, but come on. I will comment on this. If somebody can walk around and say that Deshaun Watson must be guilty because there's 32 lawsuits filed against him, how are you going to tell me that the NFL is walking away from this scot-free when they have 30 female employees making this claim? We can't give them, we cannot give the Borg a free pass when the Borg refused to give Deshaun Watson a free pass. Oh, and no, you I'm can't give saying, the I'm Borg a free pass on any of this. Pass, but I'm just saying that, that we really have no knowledge of the specifics of the case. I don't doubt it. I certainly would not I just think disparage it's, the people who are making the allegations. I'm oh, I'm on their side. Have, uh, I think have, this is part and parcel of what the NFL is about. Absolutely think this is part and parcel of the NFL's about. Oh, it's very, they it's think very they are. But we, we have no right to make a, a judgment on a case that's pending. That's all I'm I saying. think these people think they are got more money than God and they're above the world so they can do whatever they want. They treat their employees like garbage. They treat, like, again, this isn't even football players. I think they treat their football players like garbage. So I, I just think this is just beautiful for like them. This is exactly who they are. And to think that this would have been an isolated incident and for the Washington commanders is crazy. I would think that there's more teams than just the commanders who are having the same mm-hmm. problem. It's clearly a problem at the NFL headquarters that you've got two separate state attorney generals, California and Los Angeles, of course, you know, or California and New York, New York is where the official headquarters, the headquarters headquarters, California is where the NFL network is. And, You've got both of those state attorney generals wanting to look into these allegations. You can't Mm -hmm. just dismiss it. And I'm not saying you are, Elliot. I'm just saying that dismiss it at all. People can't dismiss this just as much as you can't let, you know, Lamar or not, uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson walk free on this. You can't let the NFL walk free on this. You can't pick and choose which one we're going to follow up on, which one we're not. No, no, no. No, I think we have to let the investigation take its course. Uh, and not, not judge it one way or the other. This now, is, I will, uh, I will say this is that I find it very difficult to believe that after all these investigations, the only person that's ever been, um, uh, 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 that's ever suffered a consequence is, um, John Gruden. Yeah. And John Gruden, I'm sure was in the middle of it, but you're going to tell me he's the, he's the guy. The, really? He's the scapegoat is what he is. And he was absolutely right to call, say that he was the scapegoat and to turn around and sue the NFL for it. There are so many lawsuits against the NFL. I'm going to rack them all up and I'm going to get a number. Oh, I can think of at least three. Remember, 
if you express your opinion as as if it were fact, you open yourself up to be sued. If it's if it's on the internet, and I know that, or let's put it this way, law on this is I have to know it's false and purposely put it out there to damage somebody. I'm going to get on the internet. I'm going to do my best job to look at this stuff and get the truth and report it. But I'm sure they would like me to forget all this is going on. But the NFL is a hot mess in terms of the way they treat people. Yeah. Let's let's uh, go ahead. Yeah. I think the the right position is to stay neutral until the legal process has run its course and find out what they have to say about who's guilty of what. Yeah. That makes a boring show. All right. Let's move on to (laughs) the dog logo. In case you guys haven't noticed out there, the Mm -hmm. Browns have five separate dog logos out there that are, you can now vote on in terms of, What's going to replace the current dog logo? Elliot, have you seen these dog logos? Yeah, I have seen the dog logos. It's kind of like the presidential primaries. You know, it's sort of hard to distinguish one from the other. But um, some some of them, I think there's two of them that look like they have rabies. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't like I was them. thinking the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's okay to look kind of ferocious, but to look like you actually have rabies is... Uh, little bit uh, much i like the idea of having dogs because northeast ohio and cleveland in particular uh, had a, a bulldog team at one point there were the canton bulldogs were two-time world champions and then there was a team called the cleveland bulldogs that were world champions in 1924 not too many people know that uh, so i don't have any problem with having a bulldog be our logo the bulldogs by the way uh ultimately became absorbed by the new york giants because they liked the quarterback and so they bought the whole team and brought them to new york and absorbed them into the giants so if you're wondering what happened to the world champion cleveland bulldogs they play in new york now that was the uh mara family i believe that that's the case one of the original founders one of the original founders of the NFL. Uh, I think, founders? I think so. There's a really good book about this. Um, I forget I exactly what it's called. Mars were that. Or, mm. They've been super into influential in the history of the NFL. They were very early, but I don't believe that the. New I York think they were one of the original. One of the originals. They wanted to keep a stranglehold on the New York market, and so they they did everything they could to make sure the Giants succeeded. You know, that's back in the day when football teams were taking over the Major League Baseball team names as a way to, like, drum up publicity so that they were just basically stealing the okay. teams New of York the local Giants teams. played their first game in 1925. Sounds about the time. Yeah, no, the NFL was created in 1920. Well, maybe so they were somebody else. I don't know. Charter members. <clears throat> okay. They the Cleveland Bulldogs were world champions in 1924. And uh, they they moved to Detroit for one season. And then they were bought by the Maras. And uh, the whole team went to New York and merged with the Giants. And uh, the reason was that the quarterback, uh, Benny Friedman, was really all that. And uh, they kept some of the other players, too. And they joined the New York Giants, and they created a super team. Although I don't think they won the world championship. Then. 
So back to the dog logo. Yeah, there is a history of dog and dogs in yeah. Cleveland long before Hanford Dixon, the top dog. Yeah, Hanford so, Dixon. Although yeah. I'm pretty partial to the elf here on the Fanatical Elves Sports Network. So go yeah, elf. Yeah, you, ha- you can have the elf too. <laughs> we're, we're multi. We're open-minded. We're, we're open. Well, we can have more than one mascot, can't we? Uh, you'd think so. We're, we're, we're a very accepting people. All right, Elliot, that's kind of our time for today. Is there anything you want to close up with? Uh, just that I think we ought to have natural turf and pro football. We don't need to have the synthetic stuff. Thank you very much. I, I always enjoyed playing on grass. It's kind of nicer. Felt like you're a little bit more secure and a little bit more give. All right. Well, Hey, that's all we got for today. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate everyone listening, having a great time. Uh, so until next week, we will see you later. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. 